The following is a King's Chapel, Alaska presentation with Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passions making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's call and help us be the personal, powerful, permeating church God's called us to be. For more information, visit kcalaska.com or find us on Facebook. Here's Pastor Daniel. Take your Bibles, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 23. Thank you, worship team. We've been doing a series on the Holy Spirit and um, letting the Spirit lead us and direct us. In fact, tonight's message is entitled Directed by the Lord. I've preached many messages about being led by the Spirit, being led by God. How do you know that God's leading you? How do you know that God's speaking to you? How do you know which way to go, to the right or the left? And in many places throughout Scripture that teaches. But I'm going to take a unique approach in looking at, uh, at the life of David here in 1 Samuel 23 and the ephod. How many of you know what the ephod is? All right. And then we'll bring the New Testament application and teach you how to be directed by Lord, how many of you want to be directed? You just sang, Lord, reign over me. So if he reign over you, he's going to be directing you. Well, how does he do that? How does that? Let's, let's break it down. Let's make it plain and make it simple. First Samuel chapter 23, a passage I've preached from before, verse 1. Then they told David, saying, look, the Philistines are fighting against us against, pardon me, Kela, and they're robbing the threshing floors. Therefore David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go attack the Philistines? And the Lord said to David, Go and attack the Philistines and save the city. David's men said to him, Look, we are afraid here in Judah. How much more then if we go to Kela against the armies of the Philistines? And David inquired against the Lord once again. And the Lord answered and said to him, Arise and go down there, for I will deliver the Philistines into your hand. And David and his men went to the city and fought with the Philistines and struck them with a mighty blow. What kind of a blow? A mighty blow. That's not a regular one. That's a mighty one. Struck them with a mighty blow and took away their livestock. So David saved the inhabitants. Verse 6. Now it happened as Abathar, the son of Ahimelech, fled to David that he went down with the ephod in his hand, and Saul was told that David had gone to Keilah. So Saul said, God has delivered him into my hand, for he has shut himself in by entering the town that has gates and bars. So Saul called the people together for war to go down to the city, besiege David and his men. And when David... When David knew that Saul plotted evil against him, he said to Abathar the priest, bring the ephod here. Everybody say that. Bring the ephod here. Verse 10. And David said, O Lord, God of Israel, your servant has certainly heard that Saul seeks to come to the city to destroy it for my sake. Verse 11. Will the men of the city deliver me into his hand? Will Saul come down as your servant has heard? Oh, Lord God of Israel, I pray, tell your servant. And the Lord said, everybody say that. And the Lord said, he will come down. Then David said, will the men of the city deliver 
me into the hand of Saul. And the Lord said, they will deliver you. So David and his men, about 600, arose and departed from there and went wherever they could go. And then it was told Saul that David escaped. So he halted the expedition. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we know the scripture that says your sheep know and hear your voice. And we long to hear you in a greater way. Lord, we ask, we're asking tonight in the moments that remain in this service that you would move with power. That you would speak to us. That you, in fact, would give us living understanding. That you would unstop our ears and break off any confusion. And let your truth come forth to us. For your people will know your truth, know the truth, and the truth will set us free. So set us free from confusion. That we would clearly know and hear your voice. You're leading, you're guiding, you're directing. That we would be even a people directed by the Lord. You may be seated and we do have notes for you. We'll encourage you to use those. David's on the run from Saul. His 600 men are with him. And David had something that Saul did not have. David had something that Saul just didn't have. He had the ephod. Everybody say ephod. All right, say it 10 times. No, I'm just kidding. It's a mighty weapon, this this ephod. And David asks the question and he gets these answers. Let me ask you this. If God could tell you what to do day by day, how do you think that would work out for you? It would work out very good for you. God's in a good mood. He loves you. He's got a great plan for you. And he wants to speak to you. He wants to lead you. He wants to guide you. He wants to direct you. He wants to keep you safe. But we've got to be directed by the Lord every day. And not some religious fruitcake way. Very plain, very simple. God directs us. And the ephod really is a fascinating topic. And I'm, I've shared... Uh, almost verbatim what I'm about to share previously but there's been confusion about it and the reason there's confusion is that we just don't really know certain aspects of it are a little bit of a mystery but let's look at the ephod the key verse on the ephod would be Exodus 28 and verse 30 we know that it's made of linen we also know that the high priest wore it Exodus 28 verse 30 if you want to put that up you can and it reads also put the urim and the thermim in its breastplates so that it be over Aaron's heart whenever he enters the presence of the Lord and Aaron will always bear the means of making decisions for the Israelites over his heart before the Lord so there's these two stones or maybe they're one and on each side is Urim and then T-H-U-M-M-I-M however you pronounce that yes yeah, something like that amen if you, if you don't know how to pronounce something in scripture you can just speak in tongues that's what I do. I figure God knows. So I'll just let his spirit speak through me and that's good enough. <laughs> Amen. So the high priest Aaron here bears, of course the first high priest being Aaron, bears this ability to make decisions for Israel in the breastplate over his heart. There's these stones. Now we know that there's 12 stones on the breastplate, one stone for each tribe. But what are the Urim and the Thummim? In Exodus 28, 16, we see that there's this pocket that's behind, and it holds these two. Urim, U-R-I-M, comes from the word arar, which means to curse. Fill your notes in. To curse 
or no. Everybody say no. I said this the other day, it's worth saying, God has uh, three answers for you. Whatever prayer you're praying, there's three answers. Yes? No? Wait. Those are the three answers in God. It's never maybe. Yes, no, wait. The word thermum comes from tamam, meaning to be perfect or yes. So if the thermum spoke, it would be yes. Well, how is that? It's, it's almost like rolling dice, but different. Come on, have you ever played, played you know, Parcheesi or something? Okay, Yahtzee. It, but it's not dice, and it certainly isn't luck. So should I pursue the raiding party, as he says after, after Ziklag, and he gets a yes. Pursue, overtake, and recover all is the word that he gets. And, but if you're reading Exodus 28, you see that there's this gold breastplate folded with a pocket and the urim and the therm in there. And some have suggested that the stones, urim and therm were, were, in other words, it's one stone on one side urim, flip it over, it'd be thermim. And some have also suggested that there's two, one urim and one thermim. We don't really know. Look at, look at number four. If, however, reading Exodus 28, 30, as it is in the Septuagint, how many of the Septuagint, we just had a... a um, we just had a, a new members class. If you go to the new members class, you will learn what Septuagint is. How many of you know what the Septuagint is? It is the Greek translation of the Hebrew scriptures. Everybody say it. The Greek translation of the Hebrews is called the what? The Septuagint. But in the Septuagint, it reads, you shall not put on the oracle of judgment, the Urim and the Thurim. They are jewels. They're jewels, if you look at it that way. So scholars aren't 100% sure, but the, the Greek translation there, the scholars who translated the Hebrew uh, into uh, Greek translated upon there to mean jewels. So we're not exactly sure. There is a bit of a mystery. Josephus, how many of you know who Josephus is? Can I teach you for a second? All right. Josephus is a, a historian, ancient Jewish historian who wrote in the first century. He says that the Urim and the Thurman would light up supernaturally. Can you imagine? Can, I mean, can you imagine if it's one, one stone or if it's two? You know, Lord, do I go to such and such a place? And the, and the Thurman goes, Whoo. and you'd be like, that's a yes. All right, awesome. Maybe, maybe it would light up. Or if maybe it was just one side, it would just light up one side. I mean, I don't know. It's a bit of a mystery. Pretty cool, huh? So God directed, uh, God directed his people utilizing supernatural means. Come on, he's a supernatural God. And it was normal. Oh, yeah, yeah, the stones glowed. They, some have said also that they would hold the breastplate up and one of the jewels would light up. Who do we send into battle? Judah. The stone for Judah would light up. He'd be like, Judah, you're up again, man. Start worshiping. You're in. All right. 
So God directed David by, by the ephod. But let me ask you, how does God direct us today? How does, how does God direct you? And how did, did God direct you today? I hope he did. How did he direct you? He directed me a number of major decisions today. How did he direct you? How did he direct me? How does he direct us? We're talking about the Holy Ghost. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. How does the Holy Spirit direct us? Because I think sometimes in churches, it's just like, this is totally spooky. Like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, he spoke to me. What is, is he, does your neck have to jerk then? And then he spoke to you. Is it a particular jerk that you go to the right? How, how is it that God actually speaks to you? <laughs> So I've taken uh, the book of Acts. We're going to look at the book of Acts. <laughs> taking the book of Acts as a uh, textbook because you say, well, how God speaks to me is all my hair stands on end. Well, that's nice. Can you give me a chapter and verse for that? No, uh, I, uh, oh, I, I, uh, I, we received a text. There was a uh, person that's heading off to school. And uh, at the school, they want them to watch some stuff that's defiled. Some defiled things they want them to watch in preparation for this for the school, a Christian school. So they want them to watch all this defiled stuff. Uh, like for what reason? So when somebody asks me to do something, the next thing I say, I mean, if if I have a school that I'm re- I'm they're applying for, and they say here, watch this stuff that's gonna it's gonna defile you. And they don't tell you, but I mean, like, you know, I don't want to use specific examples, but. My next question is, excuse me, can you show me actually why that's going to be helpful for me and give me chapter and verse, actually, and how that, that's going to help me, uh, you know, enter into something that's going to be kingdom-minded and change the earth in the school. You know, that's what the school is about. So I'd like to know the answer to that. Maybe there's a good answer. I, you know, been studying the word a little while. I can't think of one answer for that. So when we say God's going to direct us, how does God direct us? It's not your hair stands on end. I mean, that's nice. And that could be very well true for you. But in scripture, how does God direct us? He directs us daily. How does he do it? Great question. Well, the first thing is, one of the, and you'll see in the book of Acts, God spoke audibly. How many of you believe here in this place, you believe that God spoke to you audibly? Raise your hand high. Come on, look around. All right, look around. You believe that you heard the audible voice of God like, Becky. Right. I mean, however it was. I, I, I believe that. I was talking with Pastor Vince. We were talking about this before, um, before tonight's service. And, um, <laughs> and it was just awesome what the Lord said to him. And then, and then uh, look, come on, come here and share for a second. Come, come and share. Share that thing briefly about... Um, about the Ten Commandments. You're driving, you're newly saved, what happened? Right, I was driving down the road and um, I asked God a question. I said, why do you tell, you know, the children of Israel to wipe out and kill all these people? And But then you wrote in the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not kill. And I heard his voice say, well, it's not um, translated correctly, it should have been thou shalt not murder, which I was working at a prison at a time, so I understand that a judge can say, you know, take this person's life, and that's not that's not murder, okay so God said thou shalt not commit murder and then I was like I was led to just turn on the turn on the radio, and as soon as I turned on the radio, this is what I heard, first words out it was, it's not it's not 
um, translated correctly. It should have been correctly translated, thou shall not commit murder. And I went, God's talking to me. I went, ah! And I, I pulled over to the side of the road. I stuck my hand out the window, man. I like, ah! God's in my car. God's in my car. He's talking to me. <laughs> so God speaks audibly. Did he, did he speak audibly in scripture? Well, of course he did. He spoke to the apostle Paul. The audible voice of God is one way that he directs you. Now, I wouldn't say that you have to just hear his audible voice for every direction, but he, he can speak to you out loud in the hearing of your ear anytime he wants to. So you'll see that, Acts chapter 9. You say, where's that? Acts 9. And in other places, Acts 23, 11, but in Acts 9, the apostle Paul, he's on the way to Damascus, and he heard a voice. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you? I'm Jesus. Ah! And he gives him his whole call. He, he calls him. He tells him what his whole life's about. He gives him, he gives him direction. He tells him what he's going to do with his life and how he's going to suffer. But he's going to be a light to the Gentiles and turn them from the, from the, from the, uh, the darkness of Satan to the power of God. I mean, it's this amazing testament. Amazing testament. He got it all from God speaking to him out loud in the hearing of his ear. The second way that God spoke, if you turn to Acts chapter 10, verse 3, it says this. One day about three in the afternoon, he had a vision and distinctly saw an angel of God. What's the second way that God speaks? How does God direct? One, audibly. Two, how does God direct us? He directs us by sending angels. Are you, are you kidding me? Are there, yes, there's angels. There's angels here tonight. Can you see them? Sometimes. Not currently. Uh, almost. That's how it is for me. Sometimes I see them as translucent. I see an outline. They're translucent. Other times I've seen flashes of light and I know it to be an angel. <laughs> it's kind of like... I remember on an extended fast, I was preaching. Some of you might have been in that service. It's probably seven years ago. I started preaching, and a hand came, literally, a hand came on my shoulder. Like, like a large man put a hand on my shoulder. And when he put a hand on, the sh on my shoulder, the power of Almighty God coursed through my body like I plugged myself into the 223 phase, except it didn't hurt. <laughs> And as that's happening, I stopped preaching and I just was like terrified to turn around and look. I'm like, an, oh God. And so I went like this. And I didn't see anything. And I turned back and I was kind of undone. And then two hands came on me. Now, if you were in that service, you remember that service. God just came and ripped the thing. I mean, we just wasted in the Holy Ghost. He came and showed up. The power of God, miracles, all kinds of stuff happened that night. Or morning or whatever time of the day it was. God speaks through angels. Hebrews says that some have entertained angels unaware. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked in verse 4 of Acts 10. And the angel answered, and he gives him his full-on message. Acts chapter 27, verse 22. 
It says, take, uh, pardon me, but now I urge you to keep your courage and not one of you will be lost. This is Paul on this ship that's being crashed. It's crashing. It's going to be shipwrecked. Verse 23, last night, the angel of God, whom I belong and whom I serve. I love that. Whom I belong and whom I serve stood by me. There's no angel system. Listen, I'm telling you right now, biblically, whether you experienced it or whether you've seen them or not, biblically, the truth is angels minister to God's people and they look on in the things of salvation. I know that I have been rescued. I'll just tell you one story. I had given my heart to Jesus. Um, well, how, how deep should I go on this one? Let's go all the way with it. Amen. I, uh, I was doing a job in Los Angeles, California, a, a, an old place that I, an old stomping ground of mine that um, was not good. And I ended up in a lot of trouble. And uh, my brother came and rescued me in his VW uh, bus. He's a surfer in Malibu. He's still in Malibu, still surfs. Came and picked me up and uh, drove me back to his house in Malibu. And um, I had received the Lord before, but, you know, never went to church. And, you know, I prayed a prayer, knew something happened, but I wasn't transformed and far from sanctified. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And so um, I went to my brother's house, and he gave me his Schofield Bible that my mama had sent him. My mother prayed over me and she said, you take him down. She said to my brother, you take that boy down and you baptize him in the Pacific Ocean. And then you baptize yourself too. (laughs) So he baptized me and then I baptized him. And we went up to his house and I read the word for three days straight. Three days straight. I slept and read the word three days straight. I got up and uh, went to take a, had to fly back to Washington and begged my brother to take me to the airport because I knew I was going to have to go through that same stomping ground and I could feel those demons just pulling on me. This is a long time ago. I was in my early 20s. He said, no, I'm not taking you, dude. Take yourself. So we called a taxi, came and picked me up. And I, and I was just being ripped in half in that backseat of that taxi. And some of you know what that's like. Just feeling like, serve God, serve the devil. Just being like ripped in half, torment, totally tormented. And uh, I lost, as I told the, I told the cabbie to take, go to Wilshire Boulevard and went to Wilshire Boulevard. Long story, a little bit longer. Uh, ended up in trouble. And my mother told me during that time, just before I got baptized on that day, I got to my brother's house in Malibu. She said, son, don't you ever go back. Don't you ever go back. If you go back, it'll be seven times worse. You hear me right now? Don't you ever go back. It'll be seven times worse. I said, yes, mom. And so there I am back on Wilshire Boulevard and um, did a deal at some park right there. And it all went bad. It was about four in the morning. And these boys pulled knives out and tried to take my life, and uh, I ran. Now, it's a good thing to do when somebody's trying to chase you, catch you with a knife. It's a good, good opportunity to run, amen, unless you can handle yourself and take the knife away from you. I was outnumbered, and I was in trouble. So at four in the morning, I'm running down the uh, yellow line of Wilshire Boulevard in downtown Los Angeles. Some of you know where that is. Running with everything I got, and back then, I had some wheels. I wasn't the fastest, but I was top 25% speed type guy. And these dudes are catching me. 
and they're just getting my shirt. I mean, just, just, uh, they're just about to get me. And the words come through my head, don't ever go back. It'll be seven times worse. And I cried out as I knew I'm about to get stabbed. Just said, Jesus. And instantaneously time stopped. And this is, this, this is the God's honest truth as I remember it. It's like time slowed down. And right to my right is a 1973-72 Dodge Dart Green Duster. I know what they are. I know the car. And there's an Asian guy driving this car. Time stops. The Asian man looks at me and he smiles and tells me what to do, but like he doesn't use words. And he says to me without saying anything, get on the hood of the car. I'm going to take you to safety. So... I, I'm, I don't know how I got on the hood of the car, but as we're driving and running and the guy's grabbing my shirt and the whole thing, I find myself on the hood of the car. And I remember grabbing the windshield wiper and I put my face down on the hood of that car and I went to sleep. I had peace come over me. It's like time stopped. And then I remember just sort of standing, waking up and kind of standing there next to the car and I'm looking at this man and I said, thank you so much. He said, God bless you. I said, God bless you. And he begins to pull away slowly. And I turn around and I look. Now, I am in a completely different neighborhood of Los Angeles. Completely different. Beautiful houses all around me. And I, I look down the street. There's nobody. I don't even know where I am. I don't even know how I got there. And I, I look back and the car has gone. I think it was an angel. I don't think he wanted me hanging out in that neighborhood anymore. <laughs> he was directing me. That'll be a chapter in my book called The Angel and the Dodge Dart. That's what I'm going to call it, that chapter. <laughs> but God does use angels. Wow. And there's so many testimonies in scripture and we could line you up to testify about how uh, what you believe an angel maybe came and rescued you. We've had moments at our house here in Alaska where you woke up from a dream and there's angels in our bedroom telling us to prepare, get ready. Those are words I've heard from angels in my own house. Listen, I love Jesus. I'm not much of a fruitcake. I mean, if you know me, I'm pretty level, man. But God, you know, God could send an angel to speak to you. It's a terrifying experience. By the way, don't seek an angelic experience. Because you might have an angel show up and might not be one from God. And if it tells you to bow down and worship him, you know flat out it's not from God. I've had people tell me that angels came, and I don't think, I think it was an angel of light. In other words, not an angel from heaven. There's angels that come from darkness, and I've seen those too, and I'm not even going to tell those stories. They're underneath my feet, and it's long ago. Amen. <laughs> angels and demons. You know, that if the devil shows up with a pitchfork and a red suit, I mean, he's going to be like, the devil! I mean, you're going to know it's the devil. I mean, like, there he is. Look, the tail, the pitchfork. It's him. I bind you. No, he doesn't come like that. He don't come like that. He comes all slick comes in a blue dress with red shoes or something. 
well. Maybe he might call tall, dark, and handsome. He might come. Silver tongue devil. <laughs> uh, then again, maybe that's a person, but they have a demon. Anyway, let's move on. But God can use angels. Everybody say, God can use angels. Yeah, God can use angels. Look at C. God spoke through trance and through visions. Acts 9 speaks to Ananias. Now, I don't think I've ever had a trance. But I've, I, in fact, I'm pretty sure I haven't. I have had visions. But as near as I can tell, a definition of a trance is you freeze. And you have uh, a vision, but you're, you're, you're awake. But you're sort of frozen. I can't find really a biblical definition out of the Bible. What is a trance? I, I don't know. But it, there's a, it's visions and trances, they seem to be common, and God would speak through them. Now, vision is when you see things, like a, like a motion picture. It's open vision, some say, and then closed vision. A closed vision would be maybe when you have your eyes closed. And you can see something in your imagination. That happens to me regularly. God shows me. He just gives me a movie. And on occasion, I can have movies, I could have movies right now, and the word of knowledge can start working and operating. And God can begin to speak and show me stuff. And that should be for every believer. That's not just because, like, I'm a pastor or something. That's called being saved and filled with the Holy Spirit and allowing Him to direct you. Amen. But there's visions where your visions when you're awake and you see your eyes are open and boom, you see something. And I've had that happen. Uh, Really, the, the most intense time was when God spoke to me to marry my wife. I was deathly afraid of getting married again. I had been divorced prior to me being saved. God had spoken to Karen that I was her husband. And uh, he hadn't spoken to me yet. So she's praying. And um, a series of things had, uh, of events was unfolding. And... I walked out of a revival meeting in the church and uh, I walked towards my car that I parked in the same part of the parking lot every single time we were there. And as I'm walking towards my car, absolutely elated with my relationship with Jesus, I couldn't wait to get home so I could hang out with God. I mean, that's the truth. I would put worship on and just like dance around my house and weep and read the word and just couldn't wait to go to sleep because he was going to speak to me and give me a dream and couldn't wait to see what was going to be the next day. I mean, this sense of anticipation and joy and intimacy with God that frankly I didn't want to share with not one person. I'd, I never wanted to get married again. I saw how the Apostle Paul, God had set me free from relationship addiction, set me free from all of that stuff, and I got my flesh under control, and I realized, huh, I never, I can be celibate. I'm going to live celibate on fire, and I'm going to be a revivalist and travel the world. I really thought it was going to be something like that. But as I'm walking across the parking lot, can't wait to get home to hang out some more with the Lord, he speaks to me, and it might have even been audible. I'm not sure it was audible, but it was really loud. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Turn around and look at your bride. That's the word I get. And when I turn around, so I'm walking along, I turn around and everything goes. I'm not looking at the normal church parking lot. Everything goes to like clouds and glory. And I've got my eyes open. 
And I see this amazing, beautiful bride walking towards me in the most glorious dress, getting more, coming closer and closer, the power of God all over me. And I'm totally overwhelmed by this encounter. She gets closer and closer. I'm like, <laughs> and she gets closer and closer. I'm like, ah! And then, poof, it evaporates. And Karen is standing this close to my face. And she says, are you okay? And I said, no. She goes, she goes, all right, well, I'm going to be praying for you. See you later. And she skipped off. I got in my car. I had a vision. God can direct you through the audible voice. God can direct you through angels. <laughs> you better stay there. God can direct you through angels. He can direct you through a trance or through a vision. Now, I'm going to tell you, for me, that was profound. It was so profound. I was driving home in my car, shaking under the power of God. I had to pull over. I'm thinking, for all the times I wanted the, the, the girl and you, and, and you wouldn't give her to me, now I don't want one and you do. <laughs> No, really, that's the way it was. I'm like, really? He's like, yes, you're ready now, you know? Now, now you're ready to be, a, now you, you learn how to die to yourself, now you can be a husband. And I thought, wow, she's so fine, God. I'm marrying out of my zip code, Lord. I'm marrying up. I asked God for three confirmations, and, and these will, you'll find these in, in the rest of the message, and I'm not going to go too much longer. I asked God, I said, God, I do not want to make a mistake. And that vision was awesome. I'm glad you want to give me a wife. But Lord, really, I, don't know how to, I really know how to screw up my life really good. So, so really, please help me. I, I want to see it in the word. It's exactly what I told God on the side of the road, shaking under his power. Please show me in the word. I mean, like, I don't know how you're going to do that. I don't even know if there's a Karen in there. You know, show me. Show me in the word. I'd like a prophet to pull me out in a service. By name, like, and pull me out and tell me. And the third thing is, Lord, my mother. Now, my mother, my mother and my, my wife now are the best and closest. It's like the daughter she never had and the mother she never had kind of thing. I mean, she loves, she loves her mother very dearly, but my mother is like a spiritual mother to her. I mean, you know, it's just great serving God. Okay, but at that time, my mother did not like that girl right there. I mean, not like her. Like, like, son, you stay away from her. Do you hear me? And really what it was, was she didn't want anyone sneaking in and encroaching. She didn't want a, um, a substitute for what God really wanted to send me. I didn't want one. My mother's praying. And, you know, mom said pray. So I said, Lord, I want to see it in the word. I want a prophet to call me out. And the third thing is, Lord, I want my mother to give me the family ring that was given to her. The jewels came over from, from England when they, when, they, uh, when they came to America some, you know, 150, 200 years prior. They settled, there were early settlers on my mother's side of the family, and that's when those jewels came over. And I said, Mom, I said, I want my mother to give me the ring, and I'm not going to ask for it. That's a pretty good fleece. <laughs> 
she hates you, and you're going to get a ring that you're not going to ask for. Okay, so it all happened. All of it happened. Everything, every time I'm open the word, it's marriage, 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 supper of the lamb, wedding, 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 wife, husband, children, the whole thing. That's all I see. Every time I open, it just immediately goes to that. Like, I mean, I don't mean like once or twice. I mean like tons of times with the power of God every time I look at it. The second thing that happened was Cindy Jacobs, a, a small unknown prophet, <laughs> comes. Was right about, I was sitting right, right about where Wendy is in the congregation. She walks over and says, Daniel, stand up. God showed you your wife. It's God. You're going to get married. Father, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. That's what she says. She's sitting next to me. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is creepy. Wow, God, you're really going to give me that girl. It's awesome. Oh, Jesus. We're, we're, we're recording our second album, and what happens is the power of God is just, just consuming the place. My mother falls on her floor. My mother's on the right. Karen's on the left. They're beginning to be friends now, miraculously. My mother falls on the floor, and I'm like, oh, whatever, Mom. You're dramatic, you know? She's weeping on the floor. She eventually gets up, and she hits me with a closed fist. She hits me. I'm like, what? <laughs> and she's like, I'm all, and she drops the ring in my hand. I closed it, and I thought, that's it. God, you're awesome. And I lifted my hands, and I wept, and I cried. And I wept and I cried. And then as soon as I just felt like, man, this is awesome, I said, well, I'm not waiting. And I turned on a knee. <laughs> and I said, well, you married me. And, and she couldn't talk because she was crying. Tears were popping out of her face like this. <laughs> God directed me. God wants to direct you. You don't have to stumble through life. You have something more than an ephod. You have the Holy Spirit. You have a relationship with God. And he can speak audibly to you. He can use angels. He can give you a vision or a trance. God spoke through his spirit. Now, when he speaks through, let's get back to the notes, D. Of course, all of these things are spirit, but a word of knowledge. You could get a word of knowledge. Ananias and Sapphira. Pastor got a word of knowledge about them. Ananias and Sapphira lied. They brought an offering and said that they, they sold this Barnabas, first of all, sells a piece of land, brings the money to the apostles' feet. And it releases such generosity in the congregation that everyone begins to give. And it says that no one had any needs. All the needs were met. And Ananias and Sapphira sell a piece of land and they offer it the same way that Barnabas did. But apparently they only, they sold it. It kept back some of it and gave the rest, but said that they gave everything. All right. So it's like God speaks to you and let's say you sell your lot for $25,000. And so you sell the lot for 25,000 and you give 10, but you tell everyone, oh, hey, I, I gave all the money that God, God told me to sell my piece of property and I gave all the money to the church. And I think the reason they were doing it is probably to gain greater, um, you know, greater accolades from people and, and to be looked at in a way that 
that would be to put them in a higher place than where they would normally be if they were telling the truth. And the Holy Spirit spoke to Peter, I believe it is, and told them that they were lying and they were questioned and they lied again and they were, and they were dropped dead. This is the New Testament. It's not the Old Testament. This is the New Testament. And they fell dead. This is Acts chapter 5. The husband dropped dead. Then the wife came in a little, little time later and she dropped dead and the youth ministry brought them out and buried them. And the church grew. The church grew because what happened is a fear of the Lord came upon people. He said, you will, you, you, you've not lied to man, but you've lied to the Holy Spirit. Listen, you can lie to the, that's someone you do. If you're a liar, don't lie to the Holy Spirit, man. Plus liars go to hell. All right, look at, look at number two. The inner word. Now you can see this in Acts 28, verse 29, Philip was sent by an angel. He's standing there in the desert and a chariot goes by and the Lord spoke to him. Now we don't know exactly how the Lord spoke to him, but the Lord said to run after the chariot. But there's an inner word that can come to you. Acts chapter 10, verse 19. It's the story of Simon Peter. But then there's this, this, this inner word. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Like God can speak to you and confirm to you. Paul in Acts 16, he wants to go to Bithynia, but the spirit of Jesus would not let him do it. So the, the Holy Spirit wouldn't let him go. How did that happen? I remember loading a container years ago. I worked for a sod farm and we were sending sod, all this beautiful grass to Kwajalein for the uh, military base there that an officer's golf course and they were sending sod by containers from the island of Maui and I remember I, I was loading the sod, conta this container it was a 20 footer and I, I put a bunch of sod up front and I had this one piece of sod that kept rolling, it, it kept coming off the pallet and I had, uh, I had this forklift in there and I drove the forklift out and I kept I kept putting the sod back up, and I remember it wouldn't stay. I mean, like, ridiculous wouldn't stay. It came down, like, five times. I'm thinking, really? I'm like, Jesus. And so I grab the sod, and I throw it up. It comes down, and it's like I get pushed. I mean, literally, like, somebody pushes me in the chest. Now, I don't know if it was an angel, but I just knew in my spirit, like, uh, something's wrong. And so I go to step one more time to pick up this sod. And again, I feel this push. I thought, okay, okay, yep, I'm out, I'm out, I'm out. I'm getting out, I'm getting out, I'm getting out. I need to get out. And I started walking out. The second I stepped out of that container, like I'm walking out, I'm like, my hair is standing on end. I'm semi-freaked out. Get out of the container. That's what I'm saying. Like, get out, get out. I'm the only one there. I mean, peaceful Hawaii. What could be the problem? As soon as I go like this, dude, I step out, the whole container flips. Had, I front-loaded it too much. It was in front of those legs, you know, and it, it would have ricocheted my skull right off the metal ceiling. I probably would have gotten killed. I think that was an angel combined with the inner word. <laughs> These are ways, some of the ways that God speaks discerning of spirits. Look at three. Acts, thir Acts 13, verse 9, this guy named Bar-Jesus. The apostle Paul s says, hey... <laughs> You sorcerer, how long will you pervert the ways of the Lord? You're going to become blind. How did he know? He had discernment. The, the, the ability to tell that which is God and that which is not. That which is good and that which is evil. Prophetic word. Acts 13, 2. The Holy Spirit spoke. God, we just had a prophetic conference. What a powerful time. I mean, amazing. 
God can give you prophetic words. Cindy Jacobs, you showed you your wife, you're getting married. God can speak through a prophetic word. Look at E. God spoke through counsel. Would you? He spoke through what? Through counsel. There's wisdom in a multitude of counsel. I, I am a big one for getting counsel. There's, there's people I trust all over the world. Some have specialities. You know what I'm talking about? They, there's some people that are tremendously anointed in finance and business. Okay, so I, I, don't, I don't go to a finance business person when it comes time for casting out devils and discerning what's happening necessarily. Okay, so there's certain people that are very good at finance, wisdom. They have, I mean, they got like a Cyrus thing. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Everything they touch turns to blessing, and they're also huge givers. Not, 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 they don't just make a lot of money. I'm not saying that. They make a lot of money, and they give a lot to the kingdom. Those kind of people I trust when it comes to finances. And so I'll talk to them, multi-multi-millionaires. What do you think about this investment? What do you think about that? What do you think the market's doing? Right, right. Why? Because they have a discernment. They have an anointing, really. There's counsel in that. There, there's, some that, there's some that are like marriage experts, amazingly gifted counselors for marriage. You could get counsel. God can speak to you through counsel. You know, I've found, I've found over the years as I've spent more and more time with people that have a gift of wisdom, that I've found that gift operating in my life. I wish you would operate a lot more. Amen. But I think a gift of wisdom starting to operate. You know, things for the church, you know, things for the church. Honestly, I really feel like when problems come up and problems happen, you have people, you have problems, right? You know that God just speaks to us. We know what to do, when to do it. Boom, 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 boom. That's why we don't have strife. We'll never have a church split. We'll never have any of that stuff. Why? Because God speaks to us as a team. And we pray. Come on, somebody. Come on, God can, God can speak through counsel. Acts 15, there's a verse, verse 28. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. All right. Let me close. God wants you to be led by him. God wants to direct you. He wants to direct you. First thing is you got to seek him. Got to seek him. Got to desire that. You got to go after him. Lord, would you speak to me? Holy Spirit, reign over me. It's almost there. I think it's a little different. Ready? Won't you reign over me? Sweet Spirit, What I love about music is it, it opens my heart. It's one of the greatest ways to pray. You can leave it up. Come on, sing it again. Over me. Want to be directed by you. Want to hear your voice, Lord. And Wanna be led by you, wanna hear your voice reign over me. Seek him. Seek him. Everybody say seek him. David inquired of the Lord. 
one thing that I desire, that will I seek after, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. One thing I desire. Here's a king who has everything. Here's a king. King David has all the money, has everything. He's got everything. And he says, there's one thing I desire, just one, to behold the beauty of the Lord. Dude must have seen something with all the money and all the fame and all the fortune, all the power and everything that you could ever want in life. And he says, I just want one thing, just one, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire, to ask, to seek him in his temple. You've got to, you want to be directed by God. You have to desire. You've got to seek him. You got to set times to pray. You got to open up your Bible and begin to read it. He'll speak to you through the word, of course. You got to go to church. I can't tell you the amount of times that people have come and said, the message you preached was exactly the message I needed to hear. And I'm just blown away. I'm like, that's the Holy Spirit. Let someone tell me. <laughs> He said, would you quit looking in my windows of my house, Pastor? Because it's getting a little bit much. You know what I'm talking about? And no, I don't look in anybody's windows. I'm too busy, man. I don't want to, that's called a, that's called a, I don't know, they call that something. What is that called? Peeping Tom. That's no good. I'm not a peeping Tom. Don't call me, you know, peeping Tom. God knows everything you say, though. And he knows how to get a message to me. He knows how to get a message to you. Come on, he can use the likes of us. You donkey, you. Secondly, as we bring this thing to a close, you, got, you must walk holy. It's easy to become polluted by the world. It is easy to become polluted. And if you end up polluted, we, we spoke about being defiled. I think that's last Wednesday. If you're defiled, if you're polluted, if you're wounded and you're stuck, you know, it's going to be hard to hear God's voice. Have you ever tried to talk to your husband while he's reading the newspaper? Or looking at his phone? I'm not talking to you, Pastor Karen. Has anybody else besides my wife know what I'm talking about? So you're trying to talk to him. He's like, excuse me. And you say things like three times. And finally you're like, hello. She'll say, Pastor. I'm like, yes. Lord, forgive me. But there's also times when she, well, we're not going to talk about that. She's always listening. Men are horrible at it. We just get spaced out. We can't multitask. You know, really, um, you might not know it, but there's actually a genetic wash that goes over the boy while males, while they're in the womb. And it deadens. It de this is true. It's genetically true. It deadens their senses, which is awesome for war. You know, that's great if somebody, if you have a, a, an invasion in your house, I'm not under my bed screaming, let me tell you right now. Amen, John? Right, you have a problem, let's do it, right? Pain, it's okay. Right, and mostly women don't think that way. There are a few in Alaska that think otherwise. <laughs> But if you're trying to tell somebody something and they're looking, they're, 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 I mean, if God's trying to talk to you and your face is in the newspaper stuck all up in your smartphone or you're just glued to Facebook, I mean, God can speak to you through Facebook. He's probably saying, why don't you get off Facebook and spend some time with me? 
But if God can, if God's trying to speak to you, but you're so distracted by the world, so distracted by the things of even religion and tradition, then it's hard for him to get through. All right. And those things that, you know, rated R movies and all that stuff I mean watching things that are the, the, the God of entertainment can just stop up your ears man get you in trouble you want to be led by God you're going to have to read the word you're going to have to spend time with him amen I care about what God thinks I have to have him, and I want him more. Lord knows I fall short of where he's calling me, but I must walk with him. I refuse to live this life separately from him. I've done that. I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not doing that. It's a painful thing. I mean, I really don't want that. Lord, I, I want to walk with you in holiness. And you can. You can keep yourself. You can get set free from bondages. You can get set free. You can get set free from relationship addiction. You can get set free. You don't have to have a girlfriend. You don't have to have a boyfriend. Now, if you're married, that's it. You're married. Work it out. Pray in tongues. Do whatever you got to do. Amen. Make sure you pick the, one, pick, pick the right one. That's why I had to have like a vision, a prophet, and I, had, I, knew, I knew I could really mess this one up. Come on, somebody say walk holy. Got to walk holy. Lastly, be filled with the Spirit. There is a, a big difference between a Christian who's a believer but not filled with the Spirit and a Christian who loves Jesus and is filled with the Spirit. And I can tell the difference between those those Christians in five seconds when talking to them. Within five seconds. Sometimes ten. Very hard to be a Christian without the power of God. I mean, I don't know how you I don't, I don't know how you live as a Christian and not have the power enablement to do it. He doesn't expect you just to white-knuckle it and discipline yourself so that you keep yourself from sin. There's a place of empowerment, a place of power, a place of joy. Spirit-filled believers are happy. Spirit-filled people are filled with joy. They have joy. And it's not the way, you know, I was talking to Austin Jones, and he might be online tonight. Uh, Austin Jones lost his father in the middle of the night last night he died very suddenly and uh, he's a young man Austin and Justin I think Justin's going to be coming up here in the summer part of our school and they lost their father I called him I spoke to him after morning prayer and I got him on the phone and I started praying for him and he was just crying and I was crying and, and then there was this peace that came and he says to me, I've got hope though, Pastor, praise God. It's all good. 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 You know, I've said to my wife, and I'm, I'm closing. This is my last close. I know in the most profound way that there's nothing that can separate me from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. Not one thing. 
You say, what about if the nuclear bomb? Doesn't matter, really. What about, what about ISIS? It just doesn't matter. You know, you read the Fox's Book of Martyrs. You read these guys that gave their lives for Christ. You read stories like that man who was burning at the stake and he said to his disciples, they made this deal. They said, if, if, it's, if the Lord comforts you and there's no pain, just, you know, raise, you know raise, a, raise a finger or two fingers if God's comforting you. So they set him on fire and he has, I think he has his hands up. I need to go read it again. It's so powerful. He's one of the martyrs. They're burning him at the stake. His flesh is burning. And, he, and you see his, they say that you see his hands. You see his hands, be, one finger goes up like this. Then two, then three, then four, then five. He's got all his hands up like this. And he's weeping and boom, he dies. You know what I think God does in those times? I think he comes with his power. I mean, I've been touched by God in ways that I can't even communicate to you. Can you imagine if you were giving the gift that you would give once, the gift of martyrdom? Do you imagine the anointing and fire and power he would put upon you? What about do you suffer in pain? I think, I think you might suffer for a bit, and then I think he just intervenes and says, yeah, the blood of the martyrs cries out. I'm going to take care of this. There's going to come a time. I'll split the eastern sky, and I'll deal with all of this. A special place for you. <laughs> Let the Lord direct you. Won't you? Stand up on your feet all across this place. to direct me. Look, the first step, if you've never taken this step, won't take it now. And that's this. You've got to be reconciled. You've got to be forgiven. You've got to be redeemed. And there's only one way to do that. You can't earn it. You can't be good enough. You can't surrender your body to the flames or give all that you have to the poor to even get that. It's a free gift of God. It's it's the grace of God so that no man may boast. You've got to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. If you do that, if you ask him to forgive you and receive the free gift of his death and resurrection in your place. He was a substitute for you, a substitute for me. He said, well, I really think I deserve death for some of the stuff that I did. I knew that I did. There has to come a revelation that really everything you've ever done, every lie you've ever told, all of it is eternal until it's covered by the blood. No man is forgiven because of works. None. Not one. The only way to make it to heaven and what true Christianity will tell you is this. The message that angels can't even share, only men can. The greatest message of all time is this. That God loves you, that you're the apple of his eye, that you're the object of his affection, and that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed on him would not perish. That means there's a hell to shun and a heaven again. Would not perish. Would have everlasting life. Play religious games. Religious games are stupid. And religion is nothing but a a stench in the nostrils of God. He wants your heart. He wants you to walk in newness of life. He wants to show himself strong on your behalf. But the first thing, if he's going to direct you, the first thing is you got to get reconciled with him because you're separated because of sin. So he dealt with that himself with his own death and resurrection. If you're not right with God, you want to give your heart to him for the first time. 
or you want to give your, recommit your life. Maybe you gave your heart to him, but you know you're not living for him all across this place. That's you. I'm going to give your heart to Jesus for the first time or make a recommitment on the count of three. Slip your hand up. All across this place, examine your heart. Those online, those on podcast, on the count of three. You're not sure you're going to heaven. You need to repent. Give your heart to Jesus tonight. First time or a recommitment, or you're just not sure. On the count of three, lift your hand. One, two, three. Lift your hand high. God bless you. I see that hand. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you all the way in the back. I see that hand. God bless you. You know, we're going to go an extra step, and here's what we're going to do. I never want to embarrass anybody, and this certain doesn't mean you're joining the church, but what Jesus said is this. If you deny me before men, I will deny you. And so in a moment, as soon as Minister Micah sings, I want you to meet me right here, for real. If you're serious about walking new life, you, you want God to come and to lead you, you want him to reign over you, you want a new life, you want your sins forgiven, as soon as he begins to sing, step out of where you are and meet me right here. Come on, come pray this right out loud and as you do God will take you and wipe out all of your sin everything you've ever done wrong and the Bible says in that one moment he will translate you out of darkness and place you into the kingdom of his son and you will be called what scripture says born again of the spirit And you might have read the word before and it made no sense. You begin to read it now and all of a sudden the lights are on. All across this place, affirm your faith. Those here in the front, pray with me right out loud. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for rising again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin come into my heart come into my life wash me cleanse me make me new thank you for loving me thank you for hearing my prayer 
Amen. Now just lift your hands. It's a universal sign of surrender. Just lift your hands to heaven. Holy Spirit, fill these. Break every bondage. Break every curse. Holy Spirit, fill them now. Some of you need to forgive some people. You got to let it go right now. If you don't forgive, then you're not forgiven. That's what Jesus said. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sinned against us. Yeah, Jesus died for that too. Let it go. Let it, let it go. Let go of that thing with your with your father or your mother or your ex-wife or your ex-husband. Let it go. The ex-boyfriend maybe. Come on, let it go. Things in family, things that pe- people that did things to you. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go right now. Jesus died for that. Sometimes it's hard. If it's very painful, hurtful things, it can be very difficult to forgive. But you forgive based on the cross. Jesus died for that. Jesus died for that thing that happened. That innocence that was taken by that one. Jesus died for that. The abuse at the hand of another. Jesus died for that. Let, come on, just let it go. Let it go. The Holy Spirit, touch. Holy Spirit. layer after layer I see the Lord healing you the Lord has gifted you in marvelous ways he's given you administrative giftings in fact the things that you put your hand to they just become beautiful you can turn things and make them beautiful there's so many wonderful gifts and talents you have the Lord has need of you he's going to use you the heartache that you're even going through now as you seek him as you learn to read the word and learn to go, go to church and learn to pray learn to walk in this new life I'm not only going to heal you, I'm going to restore. There is restoration coming. There will even come those time that will kneel before you and beg for forgiveness, even though you've already forgiven. I'm overhauling your whole life, says the Lord. Oh, there's a marvelous healing touch. to these you satisfy now you satisfy every longing in me you're all that I want all that I've ever needed Lord you're all that I want all that I've ever needed you 
service is just about over, I want to prophesy over just a couple people while we're lingering here for a moment. I want to prophesy over you. Would you come here for a second? It's okay. It's, it's, all, it's all good. Everybody say it's all good. You know what the, the, the purpose of prophecy is? Is to encourage, to strengthen, and to comfort. And I just want to tell you what I see. There is something new on you. You are not the same person that you walked in this place. There is a transformation that's taken place in the spirit. And your heart is opened up to the things of God. Maybe like never before. It's like you've bloomed like a flower uh, in his presence. And you're, you're coming to understand what it is to please the Lord. And, and there's all kinds of breakthrough for you. And he's bringing you out to bring you into that which you cannot understand or see tonight. You cannot begin to even fathom what God has planned for you. I see dreams being brought about. There's so much creativity and wisdom God has given you. He's made you to be a leader. And if you think back in the years of schooling and different places of your life, you're always someone that people came to. You're always someone that came, that called, or they, they reached out to you. And you're a friend that knows how to stand. Even though you've been backstabbed numerous times and there's been those who've even left you by the road for dead. You've not been treated the way that God has intended. For the Lord's calls you as princess. He's carved you in the palm of his hand and he will never leave you nor forsake you. And so I release that word to you and encourage you. Go after God and he will work all things together for good. His hand is on you mightily. Spend time at home lifting your voice. Spend time at home reading the word a little bit. Reach out for help. Connect with different ones that you know to connect to. Cut every cord with the enemy. Cut every cord to any kind of old life. In fact, the Lord shows me there's uh, some uh, pitfalls. That's the wrong word. There's some ties that are like a Trojan horse. A Trojan horse was made so that the, the, the army could sneak inside the city walls and then at night they would get out of that horse and begin to take the city. And the Lord shows me that there's some things that seem good, even godly. They seem like, they're, oh, this is wonderful. This is great. But look again, the Lord says. Look again, the Lord says. For you will know them by their fruit. And I am even from this night, from this night, I'm opening your eyes. From this night, I'm opening your ears. And the gift of discernment is going to operate. You are going to see things differently. Even when you walk out of this room, you got out of this place, as you go home, things are going to be different and I'm going to show you and you need to cut and sever some things and as you do that you will see the next release of the grace of God there's some times in your life where the Lord led you uh, even at a place of hunger and desire for him but that that that, that uh, counterfeit came and derailed you and it's the same pattern that's playing now but you will not be derailed that they, they will not be led into the city I am walling you in like a wall of thorns and a hedge of fire I'm putting around you you are my beloved daughter my special one and I've made you even for this time you will rise and you will teach and minister and help all those that you have a burden for the Holy Spirit I pray touch right now is this a friend of yours 
Is it your, is it your daughter or anything? No, no just friend. Okay. Well, I see God's hand is on you in a mighty way also. And uh, I see you like, um, uh, like a mother in Zion. I actually have a, a, a picture playing uh, right now. And that's a picture of these two spirit-filled midwives that come to Dr. Morocco to help the parents of the Moroccos to birth Dr. Morocco. God has given some, uh, some to you that you're to put your hand on and to even birth forth these spiritual things. And there's a wisdom and a maturity that's about you. There's a, you know how to rightly handle and even divide the word. You are not a novice. I see that you've been at this and had your hand to the plow. You've been through plenty bumps and many wars, but you're better for it. You've gotten better. You've not gotten bitter and though there's been occasions where you could have gotten bitter and yielded even to the assignment of the arrows that were shot from the from the bow of the evil one you have risen and overcome and I see God doing some miraculous things for you even on the job I see some breakthroughs happening there I see some breakthroughs happening in home and ministry don't shy back the Lord says there's some things I've placed in your heart I'm the one that's placed them there as you've been delighting yourself in me I am giving you the desires of your heart says the Lord and I just see you helping so many you have a gift of mercy a gift of helps there's a marvelous teaching gift upon you too as well as prophetic intercession you see things you dream you know things gift of discernment and you know that Jezebel that you wants to just come and to try to divide you see things when it happens and I've put a mighty weapon in your hand of prayer use it wield it it's not my word like a fire that burns up everything in its path it's not my word like a hammer that breaks the rock to pieces wield my word out of a heart and a a love for me and for others and you will see breakthrough, 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 says the Lord. Amen. Oh, you're all that I want. Come on, sing one more time and we're going to close. Come on, lift your voice. just lift your hands and clap to God. Take someone by the hand. I hope you got encouraged. Come on, say, Lord. Come on, say, Lord. Direct me. And he will. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Did you hear that? Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Amen? Let's close tonight. Father, thank you for what you've done. I bless your people. 
Lift up your countenance swords and be gracious to them. Keep them. Give them peace. Jesus' name. Amen. One more thing. Ladies, if you haven't registered for the, for the women's conference, be sure you do that tonight. I think early registration is close. You can also do it online, kcalaska.com, but you can do it here at the iDesk. Will there be somebody there, Pastor Karen? You'll have somebody there registering. Wonderful. God bless you. We'll hope to see you over the weekend. Praise the Lord. Thanks for listening to King's Chapel, Alaska and Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion is making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's life call and help us to be the personal, powerful and permeating church God's called us to be. Get in touch with us anytime at 907-357-2065, 907-357-2065 or online at kcalaska.com, kcalaska.com. Friend us on Facebook and follow Pastor Daniel's tweets at Alaska Revival.